Wait, welcome to the X podcast. Hope you had an incredible Thanksgiving. I'm here with my friend Tim and special returning guest Matthew. It's awesome to be here from the tree. Yeah, I love you guys. I love the church. Yeah, it's amazing to have you. I was in, I think it was August. I was in LA, and my cousin, who watches our podcast, would not describe himself as a person of faith. Texted me and goes, "Your podcast has been so incredible lately." And I was like, "Oh, thank you." And he goes. No, he said this guy named Matt was on, <laughs> and you guys talked about Christian nationalism. And again, my cousin who would say, I'm not for his faith, was said, it was so well done oh, that's cool. that it just so encouraged him, and he was like, keep at what you're doing. That's so cool. That's cool, so good to have you back. How was Thanksgiving? That was yours. Uh, Thanksgiving was great. Saturday was even Okay, that's, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Why'd you have to bring that up? <laughs> I, I was going to bring something up here. We have an Ohio <laughs> State fan and a Michigan fan. Yeah. Yeah. And a Clemson fan. Yeah, and a Clemson. And two out of three of us at this table lost. Yeah. Uh, My first year here, we definitely won. Okay. What do you two think about what happened transpired Saturday? Are you talking about Clemson game? No, I'm talking about Ohio State and Michigan. Oh, I I think Ohio State got beat. That's right. I I don't feel guilty about talking any type of trash. This is the truth. I've lived here 18 years in Ohio. (laughs) So I grew up in Michigan, so everyone knows. I'm not just one of those fans that picks a team to annoy everybody. Yes. So I grew up in Michigan, but uh, I've been I've lived here 18 years, and Ohio State has won 15 of the 18. Yeah, oh, so you've dealt with a lot. I, I, I can, put in my time. You, it's yeah, it's absolutely and I'm a fair. Of a church, so I don't talk smack from the state. No, it doesn't go well because people like I'll, I'll they'll literally leave. Yeah, people people are so petty. So, yeah, so you know your guys' podcast. I don't care if I offend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I walked in Sunday, and you could feel the after effects, the lingering yeah. depression. It really does. Yeah. I told him I was like, man, I wonder if anybody's coming to church today because. Yeah. Mess with you, mess with you people, know, you mess with people's eyes. So, idol. my brother now lives in Ohio, but before he did, Chris he called me one time. Uh, so after it was after I'm trying to think where it was, it was the, under Fickle's year when, when, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they're not actually won. And Chris had said, like, Are you going to go and talk trash? And I said, No, he goes, Why not? And I go, Because the people I love love Ohio State, and I realize like it, it does feel like you're kicking someone while they're down, like it, it really yeah. is an emotional thing for people. Mm-hmm. So, I do, I don't actually find fun in talking trash because you're like. Yeah, I know how it is for me. Like you like a team, and then people talk trash, and they think it's really funny. And like you're like, it's not, it's not. <laughs> so a good so, note yeah. for everybody. Oh, we were a- riding home. So my dad played for Clemson. My whole family went to Clemson. I'm from Greenville. The whole ride home, my dad didn't say a word. No, and I knew he'd not been feeling well. I was like, Dad, are you okay? And he goes, Yeah, I just don't feel like talking right now. And I was like, You oh. know, if you're oh. if you're into sports, it was pretty. It was pretty brutal. Yeah, I uh, sex. I kept telling him, I was like, "Aren't you glad it's like such a good game though? It's a close game." He goes, "No, no I'm yeah, not. No. no, there's no close." It was so funny. My wife, my wife, I texted this to a couple of friends that we constantly always talking about games, and uh, my wife, um, she, I was walking in the bedroom so that I could rip my jersey off and throw it on the floor. <laughs> she said, "So, does this mean you don't want me to get you any Ohio State gear for Christmas?" I said, "No, put <laughs> my jersey on the floor, uh, kind of." So yeah, it was just it was a that was that night. You said you ate several pieces of pie and lots of little kinda just to get over the whole thing. Yep. That's awesome. Okay. Around myself and sugar. Since I have both of you here, uh, and probably most people watching would know this, but in our context, two faith leaders in our community, pastor churches in a town nearby and in this town. One of the I think the first time you were on was twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. And that was two years ago. 
And I think the context, that's when Pastor Keith was here and the three of you had a conversation of really just hacking through the jungle of COVID right. while it was happening. So we've talked a lot about kind of everything that's transpired since then, but I thought here in 2022, why not have a conversation kind of post-COVID? We're still feeling the effects of it. Uh, we've talked ad nauseum about how 2020, what we thought would be a slight bump was really a seismic shift. Right. And a lot of experts say, well, what have happened in 10 years happened in one year? There's been all these cultural shifts, work shifts, travel shifts, in our context, church shifts of even uh, frequency of attendance and all the things that we're dealing with. But one of the things I've been thinking through that I feel like started in 2020 and has just kept on and has not led up is the hot button weekly cultural topics and this almost like this pressure feeling to respond. So you go back to May 2020, and I think that was the first huge moment into the pandemic when everything happened with George Floyd, and there was this moment of people responding for the most part on social media. Uh, there's the beginning of this big civil rights movement, first the biggest one in decades. And it was a moment where people felt like, okay, I need to, this is a moment to lift up my voices uh, for people that have been suffering, for, for those that in minorities have been going through what they've been going through. And, you know, some people during that time period felt like, okay, church leaders or organizational leaders are saying too much or they're not saying enough. Mm -hmm. But since then, and especially in your seats, I don't know how you feel. I feel like it is not let up, not only the, the things that have happened, but the expectation to say something about what's happening. And the intersection of a, a faith leader and them speaking as a spiritual voice in the middle of cultural context is nothing new. Um, and I'm sure it's always been that tension for as long as the church has been around of, we don't want to be led by what's happening in the world. We want, we have a scripture, we have a text, we want to preach. We believe it's timeless. We believe it applies universally to every human heart. At the same time, what's the point of a church if it can't speak practically into the issues of the day, of justice, of the poor, of everything? But I feel like now more than ever, I'm curious, y'all's thoughts is how do you balance the, the, I mean, even as you're looking at a preaching calendar or what you're posting on social media or how you're leading a church, how do you balance what you're preaching, what you're teaching, the topics that are always going to be important, marriage, faith, morality versus, okay, this week we need to raise our voices for Asian hate. This week we need to raise our voices because this political dynamite happened. This, this week we need to raise our voices. I'm just curious, how, what have you felt in that tension have you found any practical handles? What does that felt like? Uh, for me, um, yeah, that's, that was a that's a lot. That's a lot. So I'm gonna try to pick which one I'm gonna <laughs> to go for. Um, I, I think one of the things that during that season, the mistake that I made was was trying to address everything. You know, because uh, what we had in the past is we had relational connection, like actual physical. We'd see each other. We'd be at church, and uh, and you, you know we would address an issue. What happened there is we were all separated, but then all these issues were being thrown out so fast. Like it, it felt like it was compounding so quickly, mm -hmm. if you remember. Like even yep. what you said, like it was the COVID frustration because we were all on lockdown. And then there was the whole, you know, is COVID real? Is it not real? And like all that tension. And then you, and the numbers that were given out initially, like one in four is going to die and all those different things. Then you had the political unrest, you had the racial unrest, all of that was happening so fast but we also were not together in church. And so it felt like way more dramatic 
um, and, and dangerous. And so like, we felt like we had to address things. What I learned, this is a mistake I've made and I would never do again, is I learned there is actually something to addressing it in person mm. versus through social media and mm. even online service. So like mm. one of the dynamics that like, there were things that I would record a sermon and preach about or record a video and, you know, and, and share it. And it just didn't go over the same way that if you're in the room and I'm talking from a stage to you yeah. and other people might watch it later. And for some reason it just feels different. So all that said is I would probably never address a mm. really controversial thing again, mm. just from a social media post or a recorded video. Mm. Um, and, and, and who knows, I might go away from that someday, but that's one thing I learned is like, how you handle it matters, but then also you don't have to handle every single thing. Uh, I think there is, for me, I don't want to be distracted. I don't want culture to dictate what I'm going to have to teach on Sundays. So I really do want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading on that. But I think instead of addressing specific issues, always address how does Jesus respond to a more broad concept? How does mm-hmm. Jesus respond to those who are angry with him? How does he respond to those who are hurting? And that's what we're, we've tried to do since then through mm-hmm. sermons and through our podcast that, that we record is more give people a, a way to think versus addressing every single issue specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and we're not afraid of addressing issues because uh, as I said, I just got done with a series. Mm-hmm. It was like five hot topics uh, of culture. Um, but again, I'm, I'm preaching from a stage to an audience. They can see my body language. I can see theirs. Um, so yeah, that's mm-hmm. my initial flush. Flush. But you still post stuff on Facebook all the time. Let's be you honest, have right? An opinion of me on Facebook <laughs> that I don't think is based on reality. Like no. you have mentioned that on numerous you times, like, like to, behind the scenes. That you you're like, oh, you like to stir the pot. I'm like, what are you talking about? I will, give me an example. I feel like I don't have, media I, don't have it, I, I don't have it either. I don't get on here, but I just I feel like every once in a while people have said, like, did you see Matt's post? I'm like, what did he do now? Well, I will say, well, maybe you did that before. Maybe what before, I've observed obviously. you do that I actually was going to ask you. Is I've observed you engage more with comments, mm-hmm. especially yeah. when you post. Yeah. Then I see some people do, which I think is awesome. Like right. for me, I always one of the things I was even going to ask you is what's the balance of engaging when it's effective versus I know me if I'm not careful, I'll waste all my time arguing with people online. Yeah. So for me, I, I'm fairly strategic in the way that I communicate and, and speak. Uh, I wouldn't say fairly. I'm hyper um, purposed in the way I, I do stuff. So. If I'm making a post, it, it reached a level where I think I need to use my platform to address it. But I also think it's unfair when when communicators do that and they don't engage the comments. Mm. Um, so yeah. that's just my opinion. So yeah. like you, you put it out there, the people get have genuine questions and or pushback, and then they don't address it. Mm. Here's what I've learned, and this is again why I'm I'm really purposed about it, is I've had more positive feedback from the way I respond to people who have been hating on it. Mm-hmm than anything and so when mm-hmm. people see a comment and it, it like stirs them a certain way and then i address all the comments with i i would as best i'm able i would address mm-hmm. it with kindness mm-hmm. respecting someone i've had people say like wow that's interesting and then when people share it their friends and family are seeing their th- like my friend and family's pastor handle this in a respectful way he seems like someone that even though i, not, I might not agree with them mm-hmm. i find him respectful yeah and so, like, there's been some strategy to that. So the the one, um, the most recent one. So this was the most recent one. Tell me. The most recent not on... one was uh, when the student loan forgiveness went through. Okay. Uh, this is what was funny. I should pull that one up and see what the comments were. 
Well, you know, people got fired up, but uh, it, this is what's funny about it. So I, I came home. Uh, I was real tired one day. Look, you guys are trying to find me. I don't, I don't, I'm going to say I find it. I have it on here. I just don't ever. I haven't opened Facebook in forever. I don't yeah. even know if I'm I don't have social media on my phone, so I can't find it. But Okay. Let me. Uh, so while you guys waste time and try to do that. <laughs> no, I, uh, let me tell you what <laughs> I find. I came home, and I just saw that, that President Biden had done the executive order for uh, forgiveness of loans. I know so many people that are just, like, crippled by student loans. So the, the post I made. Uh, I knew what I was doing, but the post I made was, it always makes me happy when someone I love has a debt forgiven. Like, that's it. Okay, so <laughs> you, you know that I'm talking to some degree about forgiveness, I mean, about loan forgiveness, but you also know that I'm talking about in a general concept, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's like a spiritual thing to that. So I, I posted that, and I was, I was tired. I posted that, took a nap, woke up like an hour later, and when I got on social media, I had like, I don't know, however many comments, and I had like all these private messages, and people were fired up about it and stuff. Uh, it was what I love is your personality. Sorry, not interrupt, but you took a nap. Yeah. <laughs> what I love is, yeah, I don't, not checking his. Like, I feel feet. the impression I get is you're not worried. No, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> but it's not that I don't care about people. It's that, like, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Like, I know, I know I'm so secure in my convictions that, that we represent Christ and there's mm-hmm. bigger issues than what's going on. So, but here's what, this is my favorite comment. It wasn't a public comment. It was a message sent to me. And, and I'm not going to betray someone's trust, but I can show you it. If you, if you did. Just tell us their first name. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that either. Okay. This person commented to me or messaged me on, on uh, Facebook and said, when I first um, uh, saw that President Biden did that, I was really fired up. And this is a person who had, was at one time hyper political and has told me that through our church's response and teaching, that they've put that in proper perspective and it's really been a game changer cool. for him and his wife. Okay, so I would really appreciate it. But he said, when it first came out, I was real fired up. And then the moment I read your post, I realized that's a Christ-like response and it brought peace to me. And I went, boom, that's it. That's yeah, why yeah. I do it. So what yeah. you see as me antagonizing is not antagonizing or you're like, oh, you'll address controversial things. It's that I, <laughs> I want to give people a redemptive perspective on stuff. Because mm-hmm. Michael and I, uh, one of our pastors, did a podcast about it. The truth of it is, is I I don't think presidents should have the the authority to right. to uh, with an executive decision make basically legislation that's going to cost hundreds of billions of dollars or more. I don't think that. But but my whole point was I don't have to lose sleep over it. I don't have to be angry at people, mm-hmm. and I can celebrate those who are blessed by it. And I just want to help people realize, like one, we don't need to stress about everything, mm-hmm. but two, we can find topics and find a redemptive perspective of it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we're trying to, like our podcast is called I Could Be Wrong, but it's the idea of just helping people to have a different perspective on things, even if you don't agree with us, so that it doesn't steal your joy uh, and cause you to blow your witness. Because how many yeah. people do we see that, like, mm-hmm. they claim yeah. to be Christians and then they lose it on social media and people are like, if that's a Christian, I don't want anything to do with it. So that. it's almost like part of it is you're challenging people how to think in a different way. For sure, 100%. And then also in that, you know, that people are going to respond, you get to embody what disagreeing yes. agreeably looks like. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, he, uh, just to chime in, I can't find that post. I think you took it down. And you're uh, saying that Tim is probably, I don't know, I can't find it. But l- you want to talk about controversial posts. Here's one from June 16th. It just says Steph Curry is greater than Kevin Durant. <laughs> I'm just, you want to talk about what stir? Year was that? It was this year. I just, that's you. I just want to talk how about many comics, you. How many comments were there? Just 10. I mean, they were all part of the agreement because he is. Oh, I agree too. I just, but I, I'm just saying. Wait, was, but that's a flip. Ron or Jordan? Jordan, come on. The thank, you. That. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, We've but, had people at the table that are, but yeah, 
we've had people in the past that we just you've had them there once yeah once but that's enough that's that's when you realize they can't think clearly but because i'm just so curious like on your practical handling it sounds like one of the things you're saying is look if i'm going to open up a conversation i'm not just going to drop the mic but then not engage right but do you have a general rule of thumb that you don't engage in conversations you didn't start like do you I'm assuming you probably don't often, at least, go and comment on other people's posts. Oh, or he oh, does that a lot. I do not. I said, shut up. How rude. <laughs> no, almost never. Yeah. That, to me, and, and like I said, you've heard me say a couple times, I don't have social media on my phone anymore because really in the last year, I just realized it, it was not really adding value, it was taking value. So at this point, um, I don't spend a ton of time on it. But yeah, I don't, I don't get involved in conversations. Two things: one, that I'm not invited into, and two, if I don't think I can add value. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, even on my own post, if I have rules, so like, if you come at me aggressive, um, I'll just delete your post. Like, and I remember one time someone got mad because they're like, "You made it public, and let, yet you're not allowing me." And I, and they thought like they're entitled to it. Yeah, I was like, let's still my post. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, if you're gonna be, when I say aggressive, I mean like mm-hmm. call names or just you know, like when you're reading it, and you're yeah. like, you're just trying to you know, be a troll at this point. I'll just delete those comments. I'll block people at times, but that's still pretty rare. I, I want to always, if I can, just respond in kindness and people who will genuinely engage me, I'll engage them till the end. And so you'll yeah. see like conversations where I have between me and a person, like 32 comments. And it's because they're they're engaging it. And I'm like, that's my calling as a, I think as a teacher and communicator is to help mentor people into thinking Christ-like, thinking, using a biblical perspective. And, and I think that's what's missing in our culture is we've allowed political parties to, to train our people how to think. And then the church stays silent because they don't want to offend people. And I'm like, I mean, when you saw when you look at the scriptures, Jesus came and, and he was basically undoing all that the religious leaders had taught a generation of believers at that time. He's saying, like, you've heard it said. I mean, this is what you were talking about in your sermon on Sunday at the table where, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the uh, story from Luke where they're at a dinner table, they're all acting a certain way that's being modeled by their religious leaders. And Jesus is like, hey, you know, there's a better way to do this. Right. You know, you don't have to try to get the best seed and instead you can do this and that. Like that's what Jesus did is to say, you've all been trained by a broken culture. Let me give you a new and better way to think. Yeah. And that's our responsibility as pastors, but we have to be strategic in the method we use. Yeah. So I don't always think social media is the best yeah. method, I, but I think it can be it can be good. And so like I had a, a person I know in my life that was constantly posting um, really strong opinions on social media. And and I challenged them. I said, you know, you think you have a platform, but you don't. You think because you have so many friends that you have a platform, you don't. What you have is just a bunch of people that have accepted your friend request and or sent you one, but you're now just <laughs> blasting all of them. Because they, they kind of pushed back on me. They were like, well, you, you'll post stuff. I was like, guys, I'm, I don't hear this as an egotistical comment. I literally have a platform in the sense that I'm a pastor of a, of a influential church in our community. And so I have a responsibility. So I am speaking to those people who have entrusted me to lead them spiritually. And so I'm speaking to that. A lot of people don't have actual platforms, right? You know what I mean? So like they're trying to, and they're trying to be that influence and they're trying to be, right. I go, you know, you got to use wisdom because most likely what you're doing is you're assuming people are giving you that influence and they're not. And so you're just unnecessarily offending people. Yeah. And uh, so social media is not a great way to handle it. But uh, but I think sermon series are because you can really break topics down. Yeah. Uh, so like I, like I said, I just got done. Uh, I'd say just it, time goes so quickly. Two months ago. It's about two three, months ago, three months ago. I did a series called Stand where we addressed 
five hot topics um politics um gender identity racism abortion. sex and abortion and um uh, and the reason why i did it like people even said like are you afraid people are going to quit your church and stuff like that i go guys I, I don't ever teach out of fear that people might quit I think people might not agree with me, but I want to give people a framework of how to think about these topics because basically our culture is screaming one message and the church is staying silent mm-hmm. as you know, so as to not offend. And I'm thinking all we're doing is basically allowing a generation to be really ill-equipped. Yeah. And so like what the best compliment I got after that series was people said, I knew this was sad and good. They, they said, I knew what I was supposed to believe, like I like what what uh, side I was supposed to be on, but I didn't know why. Mm. Now I know why. Wow. Now I have like the language and the scriptures to wow. use. And I thought, you know what? That's the win of it. Yeah. Is yeah. you know we wish that they would just be Bible students and know all the scriptures mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But that's a that's a difficult thing for people to do because they're just they're they're not teachers and they're not Bible students uh, sometimes. So mm. so good. That's good. I did find your uh, post. It is still up there. I had fifty one comments. Hey. It's non sequitur, and then I want to hear. You did follow it up with a video, kind of explaining your heart behind. Afterwards, you did. You you did a post that just. How many comments did that get then? Just fourteen, but it got a lot of views. How many views? One point two thousand. But I mean, yeah, obviously there was a lot of comments, but you felt like you had to go back and explain it, and you added a video, and then you edited that post and said, "Hey, I added a video trying to explain." Right. So to me, that's a win, though. Like again, that's what I'm saying. Like. To me, I I knew what my initial comment was doing. I and I want to be honest. I was not trying to create a fired up response. So that's why when I took a nap, like I I wasn't expecting people to get fired up and stuff like that. When I realized it it did do that, I thought, okay, here's another opportunity. I can record a video to explain the heart of it. And and again, I got a lot of positive from that. And mm-hmm. people still Good. disagree with me. And sure, that's okay. You don't have to agree with well, me. let's talk about your next post after that. <laughs> you said this. <laughs> I'm <laughs> loving this. You said, this is how Facebook sometimes feels to me. Oh, that one got more. <laughs> I know, 45 comments. Okay, hold on. Me, I like the color blue. People, yeah, well, apples are better fruit. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And I got 45 comments and more think, likes than any of the other posts, by the way. Yeah, so true. I think, I think more people got mad about that comment than they did by original because they were like, yeah, well, you started it. And I was like. Oh man, like you can't win for because it's clear well, that you. was the day after the video. It's clear you were posting. This is how Facebook feels to me after. But it oh, is. That, was, that was great. Is, I don't. But see, I posted that. That's the thing. The bad thing about social media, we all know this, and this is a mistake. So that was a mistake I made. Is I would say that comment like in this setting, and I'd be laughing, mm-hmm. so you would know the humor of it. Yeah. When you read it in just flat words, mm-hmm. it looks That's like signaling. I'm, I'm mad. Yeah. Or yeah. Right. And so people will go like. Yeah, well, you're not the victim. And I'm like, guys, when I posted that, I was laughing like, this is how it feels sometimes where I'm like, I like blue. And people are like, what? Apples are so much better. And I'm like, wait, what? We're not talking about the same same thing thing. here, you know? Well, I told you. So you sent me a Carlos Whitaker Instagram post. Yeah, Yeah, I. Yeah, he sends them. Me too. I made the mistake of reading through it. And I I did the thing that I never do. I think it's probably been 10 years. But I saw, and kind of like probably both of you at the table, I was annoyed by the extremes on both sides. Yeah. But I saw one particular comment that I just thought was just so inaccurate and unfair that I just, and I was kind, but I just put, hey, you know, I just put something really simple, like letting them know I disagreed. Mm-hmm. Hey, God bless you, whatever. And then they responded, but it had nothing to do with what they just said. And it was, it was to the line of, uh, yeah, well, Trump is, and I was like, wait, we, I, I'm not here to defend Trump. And we didn't say anything about politics. 
But it so often feels like that. The way people combine things in their mind, then stereotype, and then say, well, you must be thinking this. Yeah. Void of any nuance or context. Mm Mm-hmm. And no, that's a great point, though. That is the danger of that is we all can do that where we don't take people at face value. So we try to read into what mm-hmm. they're saying and then we address what we're reading into. And that's how conversations go so badly so quickly mm-hmm. is because of that. You know, so like people would assume like, oh, on my comment, initial comment about student forgiveness, they'll go, oh, that must mean you're liberal. Yeah, that right. must mean this. Yeah. That must mean you're pro yeah. this. And so therefore, and then that's what they address. So that's yes. like a lot of my comments were like, guys, you're addressing something I never said. You're addressing something I never implied. Yeah. Because all I was saying is I like literally that's what my video was, is like literally what I'm saying is it doesn't matter that what happens when someone has a debt and that debt is forgiven. I'm happy for them. Mm-hmm. Right. There's going to be some yeah. other things around it that I'm not happy about. I'm just saying it's really a cool yeah. moment when you're I'm celebrating it. with somebody else who just experienced something right. that was good for them. And if, for sure. Of course, it. the sub-conversation there is if you're in an echo chamber, your lens is yeah. going to be us versus them. Yep. So by you saying that, you're with them. Yep. Uh, quick sidebar, then I want to hear your thoughts on what it's I'm been. I'm doing this. Let me find more <laughs> Facebook posts. <laughs> <laughs> but you, as somebody who's always trying to think through how can I steward my technology the best and my screen time and all that kind of stuff, the fact that you don't use social media on your phone. Right. So uh, any handles on that? Do you just 15 minutes a night, do you allow yourself on the computer to post or, or so you never, Yeah. same thing with news, YouTube? Uh, no, news, uh, I like the news. Um, so uh, I have a, uh, I'm going to answer a few different things. So I'll talk about the social media first. Uh, for me, I only access social media if it's on my laptop and it's typically in the evening and I oftentimes forget. So it's not like something I'm dying to get to. So there can be days that go by. So like if you get on my page, like, you know, Tim stalks my page, like it's his favorite thing to do, uh, you know, and uh, like, he's like, if, Very true. if you could list your number one fan, he'd be my number one absolutely. fan. Absolutely. Like, yeah, you, know, you got the diamond. It's true. true. Yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, but with that, um, I, I post like, uh, like the sermons, like, so when they release it on YouTube, the sermon I taught the previous week, I typically post that on social media, on Facebook. Because there's a lot of people that I know, like actually my grandma and other people like that, oh. that that's how they know where to find it. So I, I'm strategic about that because I do want to get the, the teachings out there. And then periodic stuff. Like I, social media is a way for, for me being a pastor of a large church. Um, people will have no access to me on really to understand my life and who I am besides the preaching on Sunday. And I don't always talk about everything that's going on in my life. So it's a way for people to get to know me. So I, I try to periodically post pictures of me or my family of what's mm-hmm. going on. So like we just went and cut down a Christmas tree. So I make that. that a priority. Yeah. So like I'm using it that way. I just really found, and this is the honest truth. I just found social media was, was taking more than it was giving. Like mm-hmm. I, by looking at people's posts and the different things and, and people getting mad at each other. Yeah. Um, and then like, you just, you feel that emotion. And I went, I, it really was a moment where uh, I just thought, why am I giving people real estate in my mind and heart? that it's, it's causing me to not be a better person because, and it says more about me than it even does them. Yeah. But like, if I'm getting frustrated and I'm, my heart's getting wounded and I'm finding myself with like that, that low grade anger, because I have this like intensity about me, I'm like, I can fix that. And mm-hmm. so I fix it by cu- uh, cutting off social media. The other thing, like with the news and stuff, I'll look at the news, um, but mainly through like headings and different things. And I will avoid any article that's worded in a way that's really clickbait that is real aggressive, I know where that's going. Mm-hmm. So I just like don't even click on it. 
And then I have two news sources that I get sent to me every day via email. Um, one is Christian-based, and one is just, it's neutral. It's political, ne- politically neutral. It's just giving you facts of different things, and that has been a game-changer, too, because I can stay mm-hmm. current on what's going on without feeling that intensity on yeah. either side. The Christian one gives you just a biblical perspective on some of the things, like maybe a scripture, and it's just like a it's like a, a neat perspective on all of the cool. different things. So those are two that I use. That's great. You use just... Your okay, TV stays on Fox News all day long. Mm, absolutely. That's pretty much all you do. Yeah. Um, Imagine says Fox News tattoo on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Have they seen that? I didn't know what that was. <laughs> That's what that is. It's awesome. Oh. Okay. You like us when we focus on you, but you want to get back to my Facebook. Yeah, let's get back. Yeah. I like talking about you. So, your thought. Know. No, you have a. I know because we've talked about it. So, how you've thought through the whole just the last two years of. I feel like I should, because here's the thing, it, there is a, I love what you said about there are some conversations that should be had in person, mm-hmm. whether that's in front of a large group or coffee face-to-face. Then there's other moments, like I remember, you know, spent a lot of time in Atlanta and people would give like Louis Giglio and Passion Heat because he'd get people to draw a red X on their hand every year for the end of movement to raise awareness for the 27 million people that are still trapped in slavery. And sure. people would give him a hard time and he'd talk about, look, don't minimize this. There is power the first step in raising awareness for an issue and i still look back on the black square as controversial as it became and i still think no i'm glad i I did that i I think that was a moment that i should have raised my voice but it is really really tricky when it feels like it it, it's almost like this pressure you get into this combination of compassion fatigue versus virtue signaling versus okay am i responding or reacting and I know you, you've just shared your ups and downs at times about the the reward and the frustration. And I haven't found much reward in it. So <laughs> I'll be honest with you. The reward and frustration of... of I mean, what time you, you were like, okay, am, here am I supposed... No, this is... Oh. Seriously. Am I supposed to care about everything? Yeah. And if so, how do I do that? Yeah. It does kind of feel like at times uh, everybody wants you to care about what they care about. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. that's the real truth. Yeah. Everybody wants you to say something and comment. Also, they expect. I heard Andy Stanley say this. No, they expect you. They expect you to comment to support what they view. Mm. It's like, why don't you speak up? Well, okay, if I did, what if it disagrees with what you think? Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to be even matter now. Mm-hmm. So, I think we kind of live in this um, false world in regards to um, what we kind of what the expectations are of us. So, I I just think, um, yeah, I think. I think for a while I was, I told him, you know, he did this series and I said, okay, you've given me the courage to address some of those topics again. Um, I feel like there was probably about a year, year and a half at least that I just, I think it's a a combination of being weary, tired. Um, you, you, you can only deal with so much where, you know, all we heard through, I mean, I just remember I, I can think of a certain situation. It's so funny how you think back to moments and the when you think back to COVID, you think back to lockdown, you think about that. I don't think about at all what it was like being locked down. I don't think at all about with as a as a leader and a pastor, my mind immediately goes to all the people that I can picture in my mind and the comments that they made and the people that left with sending a very brief email that we're leaving the church after years and years there. To, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So which 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 should tell you something. When the, your first thought about that goes mm. back to some kind of painful memory of it, mm. it probably speaks that there was something that 
that caused something in your soul that you know what I mean so I, I feel like there was a season it felt like no matter what you said I, I remember um, you know just even even in all of the whole um, uh, civil rights movement stuff that was going on I, I remember even like it didn't matter I, I agree with you I remember sharing a message in the heat of all of that that I basically said I want you to understand this I am uh, pro black people and I'm pro police officers mm -hmm. it didn't matter and it was delivered via video because we weren't meeting in person <laughs> and it didn't matter I was like you can't put me in a box and make me choose one side or the other I refuse to do that mm -hmm. and, um, and people were like see you yeah and yep. it just didn't matter it was like you didn't stand up for so what you're telling me is you hate police <laughs> right. is that what you heard <laughs> again well, that's, that's a that's a perfect right. example or, of or they just yeah they just they heard what they wanted to hear. Exactly. You did not say it the way they wanted you to say it. You kind of even left mm -hmm. the door open. It's like, hey, I, I, su I support uh, people that have felt, and uh, there's been a history of of being singled out because of the color of their skin, whether, you know, all, all kinds of things that have happened, the history of things that have happened for African-Americans in our country. That's a real history. Those are real things that people have dealt with. I know people, you know, it's really hard to sit there and you can argue you know, political positions and ideologies all day long. But if you sit across the table from people that you know and they're sitting there telling you their experience, it's really hard to argue with that. And so I can empathize with people like that. And at the same same time, you're trying to empathize with people like that. By doing that, somehow you are making some kind of political statement. You're making some kind of statement about a different group. And it's like, no, I'm not trying to do that. I was just, you know. And so, I, I you know, is what came out of I me. Mean, we had people that, that left our community because uh, I said too much and people that left because I didn't say enough. And so it was just like, you cannot win. Mm -hmm. You can't win. So I think from that point, I was like, I just won't say anything. <laughs> I won't say anything. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, from in many ways, I haven't. Other than we utilize conversations, this. we utilize part of one of the reasons why I think we really started this podcast. It was in 2020, was because we wanted to have another environment and opportunity to talk about these things in a longer format where people could, you know, hopefully hear and listen to context around it and not just kind of. I just think we're great in our culture of wanting to throw people into categories and say, you're over there, you're over there, you're us versus them and all that versus kind of saying, no, let's have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And so we do. We've talked about we've talked about a lot of things mm -hmm. at this table over the last two years on podcasts, delved, in, delved into like really almost any of the hot topics that have been there. Um, but I haven't really used like my social media platform. I, in fact, I got off social media in 2020 toward the end of it for the most part and wasn't on it for about a year and a half, mm -hmm. two years, really almost two years. I still don't. I. I go days before I open up an app, and then um, I may do it every once in a while, and I'll be in it for about three minutes, and then I'm like, oh, I'm out. Yeah. I don't get on Facebook. I don't get on Twitter. I'll be Instagram a little bit, just see if anybody messaged me that I need to respond to. But it's, but I, I, I haven't, and I still really, I mean, you you are, I joke about it, but you're far more active on social media than I am, just in general. Well, Even though you was, you may not be now. You're far more active. And I just decided that I didn't have the uh, emotional bandwidth mm -hmm to do that and I think it did really help me in regards to I, I think part of it what was challenging is I didn't like to constantly even hear some of the rhetoric of people that I know and love or are in community mm -hmm. with yeah and it's like it's like you know there's this blasting of this and sharing all this I, I don't even know what to say in response to this yeah. and so I, I was almost like I get a more negative view of people <laughs> Even people that I'm supposed to lead and I love, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I like, don't want that. I want to, I don't want to have a heart that is kind of like, whether 
it's for political reasons or just screaming about everything and being so yeah. blatantly uh, obvious about certain things that it's that it's off-putting mm -hmm. to to the world um and thinking man i i i want to represent jesus and i don't think he would do it in an off-putting way but that's just my personal opinion yeah. and i just didn't so i kind of for a lot of reasons and i wanted more bandwidth in my in my own personal emotions and time and so i i got off it for the most part yeah but yes yeah, it's, it's got to be um kind of almost you're talking about is the temptation towards cynicism it's like you don't want to <laughs> It's probably got to be one of the greatest things to fight off in ministry is cynicism, yeah. I would think. Um, especially in this season, so. It's just got to be tricky. I mean, in all of our seats, but I think especially for your two seats, like you talking about when you have a platform, it's there's expectations that people have, yeah. and I think every leader has to decide what's healthy for them. And it's just, it's got to be so tricky because you have people that expect you, if you care about me, us, this, you're going to say something. And it's interesting. I knew pastors and leaders, even just out of state, that like maybe maybe it was social justice, for instance, mm -hmm. that had for years, even decades, quietly plotted along working and serving yep. underprivileged right. communities, underserved communities, working with the poor, lifting their voices for racial equality, but didn't post, mm -hmm. and were just canceled and blacklisted. And other people, let's just be honest, there there may have been millions of people that had the right post, but had never done a day's work. Right. And it's almost like we're in this weird, like I had this thought yesterday when I was thinking about this podcast, that like I almost wonder culture right now if it's more important to be on trend than on mission in a way. You know what I mean? Like, and so, and so it's, mm -hmm. it's got to be tricky to decide, okay, when do I say what? Mm -hmm. How do I approach? How do I actually respond with something that's going to bring change, not just make a point to appease? And I think a, a great example of that. Um, I, I remember when the Roe v. Wade decision mm. to reverse things came out. And we talked about it on this podcast even before it did and other things. But I just remember I was with another pastor that weekend. And I just remember like all kinds of people messaging him and all this stuff. I was like, are you going to say something? Are you going to say something? Are you going to say something from the platform? Are you going to say something from online? Are you going to say something? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there was this, I think it just kind of carries into that there's a constant pressure that we feel. I feel it. There's a constant pressure to have an opinion and say something about it. And my whole goal when I try to get them preach, and I know I don't, I, I know that my opinion is filtered in everything I do, but my whole goal in, in many times what I do on Sundays is try to remove as much of my opinion as I can. I know it's my interpretation sometimes of, of the text and the scripture and what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm trying to give people Jesus as unfiltered as I can. And I know you can't do it. Every communicator does it through their lens. And I, I totally get that. But I, you know, I, I, let me just put it this way. I am constantly in a, a journey of aligning my opinions with Jesus's words. Right. Yeah. That's my goal. Mm -hmm. So if I, you know, so one of the things that it does is it forces me that if I'm going to speak about something that my opinion needs to reflect Jesus mm -hmm. and who he is. Mm -hmm. And to for me personally to have an opinion that is not reflective of Jesus, I'm not okay with holding those two things at odds. I have to bring something under mm -hmm. alignment. In submission if I'm going to follow him and so you know that's that so I know that that affects it but I, I try to remove my opinion yeah. as much as possible right but you still feel do you still feel the demand and the pinch like people want your opinion and I don't know sure. if it's your I mean, opinion or maybe it's your view on how I should do it because of the, your faith yes yeah, so, so there's two sides to it we are in a culture that's constantly training us to form opinions about everything so the social media has done that you know it's a lot of people experience life through what they're going to post now. So it's, mm -hmm. and you experience something, how am I going to word this on Facebook? How am I going to, mm -hmm. how am I going to take a picture to 
illustrate this on Instagram and yeah. and now TikTok. How am I going to uh, use this monologue as a way to address this issue? So we're, we're training people to form opinions. Same thing with all the comment sections, review apps, all the different things is like mm -hmm. you have to form an opinion about everything and share it. And I think that's part of the danger of our culture is we need to realize not everyone needs to know our opinion. So you can form an opinion, but it doesn't always have to be spoken. And so like there is that, that tension. But for us as leaders, I think our churches do want to know, and I'll say this in a redemptive way, because we have so much relational equity with our people, they do want to know our opinions. They trust us. They come to church and they want to know from their pastor, their, you know, their shepherd, to use biblical language, uh, they want to know how should I think about this? So I do think it's our responsibility to address those issues, but just how we do it has to be strategic. And that's what's so frustrating is people don't realize all that we have to take into communicating a, a perspective. So like the Roe versus Wade, I didn't make a single post about it. I think this is accurate. I didn't make a single post about it. Yeah. I'll go like, yeah. I preached a sermon on it. Yeah. And, and I didn't get any negative pushback. So yeah. some of our pastor friends had people leave their church because they didn't post about it mm. that week immediately. Yeah. And But I was like, when, when people behind the scenes asked me, are you going to address it? I said, I am. But I already have a sermon. And I had the sermon series planned before yeah. the decision came out. Because I still remember when I was, I was working out and someone said, did you hear what just happened? And they told me. And I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy because I'm doing a sermon series like in a month I'm addressing that topic. But like for me, that's what I was saying early on in this podcast. I've learned there are good ways to address things and bad ways. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the good way is on Sunday on a sermon because those who have given me relational equity, who trust me, come to the church. That's who I'm speaking to. Mm -hmm. I'm not speaking to a national audience. We talked about this at yeah. lunch today. I, I think this is one of the mistakes that so many pastors get into. Mm -hmm. They post acting like they have a national audience. Right. And you're like, guys, 99.9% .9 of pastors, you're acting like celebrity pastors, and you are speaking to a local congregation. You never forget that. Right. So for me, it's like, no, I I, I don't have a natu nas national platform. Right. I have the church that God's entrusted to me to lead and to speak to. And so I'm thinking, what's the best way to communicate to them? They're mm -hmm. coming. Yeah. They're engaging. And so I want to speak to them. And, and so I think we, ha we have to do that. Uh, the second part about it too, when we communicate about this, and this is what's so lost in our culture. I just preached a sermon on it this past Sunday. When Jesus talks about you know, the, the basic idea of how to love people, he's like, do to them how you would wanna be treated. It, it is the best relational mm -hmm. advice that's ever been golden given. Rule, yeah. Right, the golden rule. But I mean, yeah. like, think about it. Every yeah. single relationship can improve by that, but that requires you stepping into someone else's shoes and thinking, how would they feel about it? So like when people say to like a pastor or to someone else, you have to take a stance on this. I don't think that posture is putting yourself in someone else's shoes mm -hmm. because if I have to immediately communicate my perspective of this, I might bring a wound to someone else. And this is where people would hate this. People will even not like what I'm about to say, <clears throat> but in the Roe versus Wade, if I came out right away and said like, God bless America, you know, finally, like the, the stopping of the murdering of children, right? Like I take a real hard stance that way. Mm -hmm. All of my friends that are not Christians, friends on, mm -hmm. on social media that are not Christian, who might lean left, heard that decision from the Supreme Court as women's rights were just stripped yeah. from them, right? Yeah. They're devastated. Mm -hmm. And so I get on and I'm making a post to make people who already agree with me happy. Right. And yeah, I'm like, right. so you think like that's the best strategy where all my other friends, I just wounded them? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. count me out on that one. Because you have a different mission. I have a different mission, exactly yeah. right. And my mission, this is where Christians lose sight of. We're called to be the light. So if you think your calling is to support a political party and to to always get like your perspective out of there, you're going to have all these people you wound along the way. 
And so like for us, we're trying to be the light. And this is another thing that people don't get. There are so many of the posts that I make, uh, especially in the past when I was more engaged on social media, I wanted people who are non-Christians and honestly are non-Republicans, non-right-leading to understand that not all Christians have a, a tie into a political party and a bent that way yeah, yeah. because I, I'm, they're my, my hope. I want them to know Jesus. Right. Like not as some notch on that I can, you know, yeah. check off. Oh, I did this. How yep. great I am. No, Jesus changed my life. Yeah. <laughs> I, he can change their life. I want all my friends to know Jesus, not yeah. for, just for now, but for eternity. Yeah. And I think so often, man, people just like, it's like the story of, of uh, Jacob and Esau where he, he trades in his birthright for a bowl of stew in the moment, that felt great, but like he regretted that decision, right? Mm-hmm. How many of us are just trading in our our witness and our influence for mm-hmm. a momentary, like, yeah. oh, look at that, and then you get all your echo chamber to like it, and you go, yep. man, that was really good what I posted. What you don't see are all the people that were wounded in yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. so now you just traded it in for this moment pleasure, and, and I just think like yeah. that's what's so mm-hmm. wrong right now in our in our modern day communication. I cannot agree more. I was telling him this morning, I mean, I had a family member and I'm not a social media police, but I have a close family member that posted something. It was a comment under his brother's comment. that was uh, what I viewed as potentially hurtful to a part of society and to even people in our family that would, if they saw that, be deeply wounded. Yeah. And I just said, I said, hey, we got Thanksgiving coming up. <laughs> we got Christmas coming up. Right. Yeah. And, and I said, I'm not trying to be that guy. For and they sure. went and deleted it. Yeah. But I just think, I, I, I love what you said, because I think so many people view, and maybe it depends on how evangelistic leaning you are, but I think all of our missions should be, Jesus said, I'll go after the one, leave the 99. Yeah. And so I, I think post that's definitely 99. your, t- <laughs> post for the 99. Post for the 99. <laughs> that's definitely your two hearts. Yeah, and I don't want to put words in your your mouth, but if forced, you'd rather not intentionally but unintentionally offend a Christian than create a roadblock for someone that's far from God to actually be able to come to Jesus. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We recently talked about that one of our podcasts. Sometimes not even unintentionally. (laughs) Sorry. No. Sometimes not even unintentionally. You said it kind of jokingly, but that isn't true. No. Times as pastors, you have to offend, and you know you're doing that, and that's okay. Jesus was offensive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But but uh, we we were just talking about recently. So you have your guys' mission statement is to help people, people get on the path of God on the path that are not currently on the path, or how do you word it? Yeah, helping people get on the path of God. Right. Okay. So that logic is they're not currently on the path, right. and want right. to help them, and then yeah. it, right and further. So for us, one of our values is we try to remove as many unnecessary hurdles as possible. Mm-hmm. So there are necessary hurdles of faith, right? I mean, yeah. like surrendering your life, dying to yourself, mm-hmm. uh, and and so we want to remove as many. I unnecessary. think unnecessary hurdles. Yeah, not those. Yeah, we want to remove the unnecessary hurdles. Yeah, sorry. No, I didn't want. To, I just yeah. want to clarify because I didn't know right. what was coming across. So right, but... there are there are legit hurdles, and you can't get rid yeah. of them. You don't want to get rid of them. No. But there are unnecessary ones, and we want to remove that. And that's what a lot of people lose sight of mm-hmm. is they they are are viewing the world through their small lens, and they're mad at you that you're not joining them in, in viewing the world through this lens. And I we're trying to as pastors and as Christians to go. No, no. Here's our our lens is bigger. Yeah. We're we're trying to get a broader audience. We're trying to help people. To not be offended unnecessarily by Christianity, because again, yeah. Je- it's Jesus' teachings are offensive. Yeah, right. And so, like, but but what's also is is true is He's also loving. He's loving and offensive. And so we want people to experience both. And I I think again, I'm just going to be like a, a repeating myself here, but I think so many people waste their influence for a momentary pleasure mm-hmm. and yeah. just putting out that thing, get it off their chest, and. It kind of it kind of reminds me of the perspective that Jesus' disciples had, and I know that we're kind of talking about the 
this these biblical stories a lot around this, but you know, even to the very end, Jesus' disciples they were solely focused on Israel, right? And Jesus mm-hmm. was like, "I wish you could step back and see the whole world." Yeah, yeah. I didn't just come for Israel; mm-hmm. I came for all humanity. Yeah, and I think that should be the heart and the perspective of the mm-hmm. church. I think it should be of all of us yeah. that we are. You know, we're here for humanity to represent mm-hmm. Jesus, and so to do that means I, if I'm going to represent Jesus, I need to look like Jesus, mm-hmm. and I need to live like Jesus, and I need to yeah. love like Jesus. Right. And so I think it's in light of any kind of post and comment. I mean, I, I can't tell you it, it, since I've been a pastor the amount that I have refrained from. Po- I don't post political things. I don't like ever. Like mm-hmm. I haven't, and it, I've told people before. It's not that I don't have political opinions. I mean, we're very opinionated people. Sure, very, very. It's not that I don't have them. It's I, I, um, I don't value my political opinions more than I do uh, someone else's, um, someone else's experience with God, with right. Jesus. Okay. I don't value what I want it to be more than I do helping someone else mm-hmm. see Jesus. Yeah. And so if if my personal opinion will some at times even just because of, like you said paying attention to who my who are the friends or followers or the people mm-hmm. online in the context and the way I'm doing it. If that is a, if that's unnecessarily offensive, mm-hmm. I'm not going to apologize for things that I hold tr- that I believe are true, that Jesus has said that I'm going to follow, um, but I will share those things, you know, in, in the appropriate context and love. But I, I'm just, I'm not here to offend people mm-hmm. just because I want to get my political view yeah. across and hope other people will agree with me. And I think that is one of the most dangerous things that we have yeah. in our culture today, which is this massive desire that I need people to agree with me because what does it do? It validates me. Yeah. It yeah. validates the way I think. It validates my life experience. It's And that's, I think it's dangerous. I think it's one of the reasons why we're polarized. It is. Well, because I was telling you, I was telling my friend, uh, we were kind of debating. It's so interesting, the extremes I have in my family and friends mm-hmm. going back to Greenville for Thanksgiving. But I was telling one of my friends, I said, I understand on one political spectrum, the tension that's felt right now, because we're not, a, if even if we were at one point a Christian nation, we're not now. Right. Yeah. And so there's this human nature tendency of, oh, things are changing. It's not the quote unquote country I once knew. How do I hold on to that? How do I self-preserve? And I said, and I think as Christians, we're at a crossroads. Mm-hmm. We're either going to be the disciples, Jesus, come on, when are you going to through when are you going to climb political, use your spiritual power for political power and impose, and we need to get our nation back, and we need to, or, and not that we shouldn't have a voice in politics, not that we shouldn't pray for our nation, but or we're going to not fight flesh and blood, not make people the enemy, and we're going to grassroots do what Jesus did and humble ourselves and serve the world until the world changes. And I just think it's it's a distinction right now, and, and it's a crossroads right now. And I think not to belabor the point, but I've been curious, I'll go back to the Roe v. Wade, because you know, the pushback that we heard or that I saw all over social media was, well, you posted about this in May 2020, mm-hmm. but now you're silent when this happens. Right. Like, that was the pushback. Yeah. And, but it seems like we're saying, if I'm hearing you right, well, part of it is, part of it is, okay, I'm learning from how I've responded that I don't want to respond this way anymore, or I, I want to choose a different path next time. Mm-hmm. And then the other part of it is, depending on the topic, I know who my audience is. I know who I'm trying to reach. Yeah. Would that be fair? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, man, I hope I can do a good job of explaining this. Um, so if you if you take this argument down to left and right, so political persuasion and even some with Christianity in the middle, okay, so left and right. Some post, I know my non-Christian friends that lean left, they already agree with truth that I think aligns with Scripture, even though they're not believers. Mm-hmm. 
And so there are sometimes we're posting saying like, we need to get believers on board over here. And so we have to post to, to, to challenge the Christians this way, right? Right. Then like Roe versus Wade, my left-leaning friends are not aligned with scripture. Right. My Christian friends are. Right. I don't need to post to them. Yeah. They already know the truth. And so I'm not posting to them, but a post has a potential to offend this group. Yeah. So what I want to do for me as a pastor is communicate through a sermon like I did mm-hmm. where I can explain the all the way down and then share that. And if any of my left-leaning friends and non-Christian friends mm-hmm. engage that, they at least get to hear a very thoughtful yeah. response to the topic, yeah. not That's some good. just little you know bit that I throw out there where they don't have any context and they just see me as, you want to oppress women. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, there, there's a value value system that I want to explain. And I think that's what a lot of people lose sight of is the communication is there's a strategy behind it. And I don't think there's enough strategy behind the average Christian posting besides mm-hmm. just that momentary, yeah. I got to get this off my chest. And here's what I would say earlier. I delete a lot of posts. I shouldn't say a lot. I have in my past deleted posts when I realize immediately it's being taken differently than I meant it. Mm-hmm. So like I'll make a post and I can tell like the first two comments, people are like upset by it. And I'm like, oh no, that's not what I meant at all. Cut my losses. I'll delete a post like that. Mm-hmm. And I think more often people need to do that. Is yeah. they'll recognize, you know what? Oops. Yeah. That wasn't what I thought. That, that was not taken the way I thought it was going to be taken. I want to delete that. But I just don't think there's enough of that. Let me go back real quick. You said your side of the family, you, you have a really broad perspective. Are you on, I know you're on Instagram because we're on that. Mm-hmm. Are you on Facebook too? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it fair to say because of that, you're way more thoughtful in the way that you post because you know that, right? 100%. I think that's a major problem is a lot of Christians don't have a diversity mm. of, yeah, or they yeah. don't care. But I mean, like, there's a lot of people that they, we, you know, you call it the echo chamber chamber and stuff, but like, it's the same thing. We, we talk about this. If you ever invite a friend to church, don't you notice every quirky thing about your church? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. You're, you're immediately like, oh, no. When I post stuff, I'm always thinking about, there's like these people in my mind, like yes. literal people that I think they're going to read this. Yep. I, I had this one yep. time. I did a, um, this is this will give a little bit of context. I did a post, um, this will f- offend people. <laughs> I did a, no, I did a, a blog, uh, round one of why I was not voting for uh, Trump or Hillary. So I didn't vote for either of them mm-hmm. the, the, the first time. Same. And uh, okay, I, I, and I explained why they just did not have the values that I wanted. But in it, I made a comment about Hillary supporting, uh, amongst other things, supporting abortion. And at the time, I made a flippant comment that said, "Because all abortions are just acts of convenience, right?" Like I just this was however many years ago, and I just said it. I had a friend of mine who's not a Christian privately message me and said, "Just FYI, that that was offensive to me. Let me explain to you why." When her response was so thoughtful, mm-hmm. so kind that I responded, like I changed my blog and I, I responded and said like, I am so sorry. I see how offensive that was of my perspective. And it was like, that was like when a light bulb went off in my mind that mm-hmm. I thought, there are people reading this that don't agree with me. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd almost wow. fall into the trap of just being like, you know what, we all agree on this, right? Yeah. And I realized, no, 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 not everyone does. And I was like, I have to be more sensitive. So those are the people I picture when yeah. I'm posting. And I think there's not enough of that either, yeah. of like picturing who could you potentially offend and is it is it worth it? So like this past Sunday when I got done teaching about uh, putting yourself in someone else's shoes and I did like an object lesson with it, uh, and you just know like you both are teachers, you know when you teach and it resonates. And it was like mm-hmm. one of those people, I had so much feedback, but the most common feedback I got from people was I, I need to go apologize to someone. Mm-hmm. Like I realize now that I said something and I wasn't being thoughtful. 
I need to go back and apologize. And that w warmed my heart because I thought, yes, that's the proper response is not just simply going, you know, I'll be more careful in the future, but saying, you know what? I wasn't careful. Wow. And now I need to go back and apologize. And that's I think good. there's not enough of that. I keep yeah. saying there's not enough of that. But like, yeah. there's a truth of it. There's not enough of us going, you know what? My bad. I'm sorry that I did that. And I think that would, would help people, I think, be drawn even more toward Christ to realize his followers have a humility about them where they can recognize, you know what? I've done this poorly in the past. Mm -hmm. That's so good. And I mean, I know we're talking a lot about social media, but I mean, really what we're talking about, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, is one of the greatest things you have to steward is your influence. Sure. That I kind of, um, I tend to be devil's advocate in, at times, whatever environment I'm in, but I was telling him just traveling, you know, a few weeks ago, it was so, it was just so interesting to be around so many different kind of people. And I think like a maybe like a secret agenda I have is I want to try to put a good taste of Jesus back in people who have a bad yes. taste. Yeah. Yes. And so I, th I think what we're talking about is yeah, I love Paul used the, the wording of uh, an aroma of Christ. Yeah. I want to be someone who makes Jesus smell good as worse as that sounds. Yeah. I want to, yeah. I want to, I want to be somebody who puts a good taste back in and helps people realize whatever connotations you have in your mind, whatever baggage you have in your mind, whatever bad Christians you've encountered, it doesn't have to be like that. And so I just think, I think this conversation, so it's been so helpful yeah. for me. Yeah. And I think there's some practical handles here, but also just the thoughtfulness of an everyday life. And I love what you said. I, I, I almost steered to the other extreme at times where I, I'm almost, at times I feel like I should post, but I'm like, I never want to be that guy that acts like they have a bigger platform than they do. But yeah. the truth is, whoever you are, you may not have a platform, but you do have influence. Yeah. And you have a circle of people around you that are impacted and maybe you might be the only Jesus they read. Mm -hmm. And so it's so important how you steward that. It is. Yeah. I think if you um, post enough of your opinion, you'll eventually only have an echo chamber. Mm. They'll it? all leave. I love what they you said. Follow. And eventually you will be only people. We, we don't do a whole lot of pl Sunday plugs, but you, you just preached a brilliant and strong message Sunday. And it was from the passage of Jesus that was just challenging all the people around him. Says, hey, like you always invite people around you in oh, ways that will like benefit you. you, the rich and the, you know, those that will make you look good or those that you just feel comfortable with. And he's like, don't do that. Invite people you don't even know. Yeah. Invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite people that you disagree with. Right. And then you made a statement. You said because of. Go ahead and say it because I think this is the statement I was going to say. Yeah. Oh. Uh -oh. If you continually surround yourself with yourself, you'll eventually be full of yourself. Yeah. I was like, oh, ah, God. I love it. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I think it's, I was I, like, did you put that on Twitter? Because you got to put that on Twitter. It's, I mean, I, <laughs> is Twitter still here? I think Twitter's still around. Is this thing Elon hasn't yeah, blown it up, has it? <laughs> dumpster fire. But that is. That's been fun watching. You know what's going to be interesting about that? No. Is if it turns around and it's successful, how many people will then be like, he's a genius? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guarantee. Yeah. I think he will. Yeah, I, I think he'll. Yeah. I think he'll turn around. What's your prediction? I, you know what? He's gonna sell it for eighty billion. I have no idea because he obviously is intelligent as yeah. a person. So like, when you, if it was you or me doing this, no. like oh. we would look at it and go like, this was a mistake. Yep. He has to have a strategy, but I just, it's hard to figure it out right now mm -hmm. because. I mean, it just it doesn't look like he has one. But yeah. do you think he like think for he me? Does. My my impression right now is like this is the this is an example of someone who is so brilliant in so many aspects of life. Yeah, that, that hubris, hubri, whatever. Yeah, they come in here and just you know like fire everyone around them that could help them, and just assume that all of their other intellect attributes are going to translate. Yeah, and then it 
doesn't, and it looks like there's panic. I'm firing a bunch of people. Oh, I'm gonna try to rehire. Oh, I let me try the blue check. Oh, that didn't work. Um, but you're right. Maybe at the end of the day, we're gonna look back in six months and be like, oh my gosh, she did it. Yeah. So here's one reason why I'm not bailing ship on this yet is as a leader, I've had not to this extreme, right? But I've had where people think the ship is sinking, yeah. and we know we're just making the tough no. decision yeah, in this season. Cutting. And then it comes, it turns out right and it's successful and people go like, oh, I see it now. And you're like, yeah, because you didn't have all the information. I'm assuming this guy who leads these companies that are hugely successful, the reason why he had enough money to buy it, I mean, I know he had supporters to that, is he's not a fool. Mm -hmm. So like in my mind, I'm like, he has a strategy. But again, it's just, we've never seen anyone operate this way (laughs) with a business. So it feels like, man, you just took a $40 billion risk. Yeah. And it feels feels funny watching it, but... Mm -hmm. It's enjoyable to watch. What's your prediction? I I think he'll turn it around. I think he's yeah. I think he's doing it on purpose. I'm not saying he's not doing it right. Tell me, Kanye. You think Kanye's doing everything? On I think. Right now? I don't know about that. I can't even comment on that. But okay. why do I have to have pressure to comment on that? Okay. <laughs> I what think, is your I official think, pastoral I stance think, on <laughs> the Mar-a-Lago dinner that took place? Oh, you don't want my opinion on that. Who would you uh, say you voted for? Um, huh? Who? Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Do the same about every other. No, time. I didn't vote for Hillary. Um, I. I think that he's. I think he's doing some of this on purpose. I don't know about all of it, but I do. Who are you talking about? Now? Yeah, Kanye. Oh, okay. No, I do. I think. Uh, I. I think that's a. That's just a guess. But I mm-hmm. think there's probably a company that had more money than they knew what to do with, and they just kept hiring people in a seven thousand plus workforce that all got to work from home and probably barely mm-hmm. worked. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I, I see something. I see something similar that there's the these um, these uh, social media giants and these companies that are worth billions of dollars, Facebook, you saw um, um, Zuckerberg have to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And everybody was like, whoa, what is this? This is, why are you being so harsh? Why are you saying if you don't work hard, you're gonna do that? My guess is because he came into a culture where then people didn't work hard. They love their job, don't get me wrong. They enjoyed it a lot, but I bet you they weren't working. And I bet you he was like, I'm cutting it. I'm Mm -hmm. cutting the workforce in half. Mm-hmm. Now, I think some of the other stuff he's done is, seems a little bit extreme, and you know, it's kind of like you argue with him. When I mean, I kind of get it, but it's like he's—he's he's not he's, helping himself with the whole. He's, he's, I'm the uh, emblem of free speech. And, and Somebody uh, impersonates him, was like, "Hey, yeah, none of that now." It was like all these other <laughs> Elon Musk accounts came back up, and was like, "You can't do that." And wait a minute, you know. So, like I said, I don't know that he's doing it all well, but I—I I do imagine he's smart enough that he will turn things around and i just i picture that he didn't just do this for free speech i think he and i don't think he did because he was bored did you see the whole because he's gonna make a ton of money and he knows it did you see i mean i know this is the way the media is portraying it but it was a really interesting like matchup they they said it was something i was on one of the late night shows they said the richest man in the world against the richest company in the world and it was like elon versus apple did you hear about this no because apple supposedly is like tweeting far less not using the platform and they're doing something to make it harder to get Twitter apps on their phones. And so right now, oh, right. there's this huge rivalry brewing between... Yeah, Elon said if they don't allow his apps, he's going to create his own phone. Oh, yeah. Because old Nathan Finocchi was like, I want an Elon phone. That'd be kind of interesting. Hopefully we have really good battery life and yeah. hopefully better support. Yeah. I don't know, man. Well, it's been a fun, wide-ranging conversation. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to do a part two. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Any questions or comments? Complaints. Complaints. Send them to Matt Johnson at tree.org. <laughs> Podcast at thex.church. Hope you had an incredible Thanksgiving. Until next time, we'll see you next week.